Chapter Four of Peggy's Trial by Mary Knight Potter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The New Pupil. A short time after this, the doctor told Peggy that he had just heard that Cora May's father and new mother had decided to stay abroad till Christmas. That meant that Cora was to be left at her grandmother's for at least three months more. Something that wasn't going to happen for three long months seemed to Peggy too far ahead to worry about. Besides, just now she had more than enough matters of her own to think about. In the first place, Miss Edith Barton was going to leave town within a few days for a long visit. Peggy, consequently, spent most of her out-of-school time haunting that lady's house. The fact that her own lessons were often therefore very insufficiently prepared was to her mind of slight matter. That she might also occasionally be in Miss Barton's way never once occurred to her. And Miss Barton, in spite of letters and errands and packing, never hinted to her little admirer that she would be glad of more uninterrupted time. Meanwhile, in her absorption, Peggy never noticed the excitement that was spreading among her classmates. "'Peggy, come here,' called Lena Brooks the morning after Miss Barton's departure. "'Don't you think it's a mean shame, too?' "'What's a mean shame?' asked Peggy, joining the group at the foot of the stairs. "'Why, about that baker girl coming to our school?' "'Who's the baker girl?' puzzled Peggy. "'And why shouldn't she come to school?' "'Where have you been the last week?' exclaimed Hattie Harner. "'Haven't you seen that curly-headed beggar Miss Shepherd put into our class?' Peggy's face was still a blank. "'Goodness gracious!' Lena's tone was scornful. "'If I were you, I wouldn't be so wrapped up in Miss Barton that I didn't know if I was living or not. "'The baker girl,' she went on explaining, "'is that little dowdy who's got Jane Miller's old seat.' "'Oh!' Peggy comprehended at last. "'I remember now that Miss Shepherd did give a new girl that place.' She had awfully pretty black curls, too. What's the matter with her, anyway? Matter? sneered Brownie Campbell, whose father owned the big cotton mills and was supposed to be the richest man in town. There's matter enough. She and her mother have just come from nobody knows where, and they have taken that hovel at the end of Walworth's pasture. Tisn't a hovel, said Peggy indignantly. It's a very good little house. I heard father say so only last week. Brownie Campbell and Peggy Clayton never did agree. Peggy said Brownie put on airs because her father had a lot of money. Brownie, for her part, didn't see why Peggy should be so stuck up just because her father was a doctor. Never mind whether it's a hovel or not, put in Lena Brooks impatiently. They are as poor as last year's potatoes, and nobody knows who they are and Mother saw Mrs. Baker hanging out washing, and I think it's a shame to put a washerwoman's daughter into our class. Why didn't she go to the Cheswick school with the mill people's children? Shish, said Annie Rice. There she comes. Peggy turned and gazed curiously. The others pretended to be much occupied with their companions and not to see the tiny dark girl just entering the door. Her big brown eyes flashed one timid look at the knot of girls whispering and laughing together. A deep flush spread over her cheeks. 
With a little defiant toss of her black curls, she went upstairs without another glance. "'What's she in black for?' asked Peggy as she disappeared. Nobody knew, and just then the session bell rang and they all hurried to their classes. "'You watch the airs she puts on when she answers a question somebody misses,' whispered Annie Rice as she and Peggy took their seats together. That morning Peggy had plenty of chance for watching. She had got so far behind in her lessons that she failed in pretty nearly everything. It so happened that the newcomer was called upon to correct many of her mistakes. Peggy was never the most brilliant scholar in her class. She was generally too much interested in things outside to give enough time to her studies, but such total failure as she made today was entirely unusual. It was especially exasperating to have this washerwoman's daughter prove herself so much better a student. At the first recess, Lena seized Peggy's arm excitedly. "'There now,' she cried. "'Did you see how the little beggar gloated at your mistakes?' Peggy was cross and sore over her errors, but she made an effort to be fair. "'Well,' she said, "'of course there wasn't any reason she should pretend not to know the answers when she did.' "'Maybe not.' Lena looked as if there was some question even about that. "'But she needn't have laughed fit to kill herself when you said a third of twenty was seven and a quarter, need she?' "'Did she do that?' Peggy's cheeks flushed angrily. "'Yes, she did, and she's watching all the time to show everybody how much she knows. "'Why doesn't she go into a higher class if she's so learned?' asked Peggy, with all the sarcasm her ten years could supply. It was a new experience for her, Dr. Clayton's daughter, to be laughed at. She no longer felt in the least like taking sides with black-eyed, black-robed Elsie Baker.' "'Girls!' she called out a few minutes later. "'Let's go chestnutting this afternoon. "'There are some loaded trees up near Halton's Brook.' "'But isn't that right near his field where he's got that ugly cow?' Annie Rice would have been afraid of a pet lamb if it was not securely tied. The rest of the girls hooted. "'Supposing the field is near,' said Brownie Campbell. "'Cows don't waltz over stone walls, do they?' We'll see you don't get eaten up, she added derisively. None of them paid any attention to the little black-robed figure, sitting disconsolately alone on the window-sill. Peggy had suggested the excursion because she knew Elsie must feel that she was purposely left out. The others never even once thought of her. I suppose, she said to Lena as they started with their baskets that afternoon, I suppose Miss Barton would say we ought to treat her better, but I'm not going to be laughed at without doing a thing back so now. Peggy's conscience was not quite at ease about the matter. Well, said Lena, I heard Mother say that Mrs. Chisholm called on Mrs. Baker the other day to see if she'd like to take in some washing. She did it out of kindness because she thought it might help her out, and she behaved awfully to Mrs. Chisholm, she couldn't have put on more airs if she'd been living in the biggest house in town. Mother said after that she couldn't expect to be treated well or her daughter either. Such a person, Peggy decided severely, didn't deserve consideration, and she wasted no more thoughts on the neglected Elsie. 
The chestnuts were so thick that they had their baskets full in no time. As they started slowly for home, Peggy announced her intention of going by the way of Halton's Field. "'It will bring me out nearer the store,' she explained, "'and I've got to get some pencils for tomorrow.' "'But that ugly cow's there!' exclaimed Annie Rice in terror. "'I don't think she is,' said Peggy. "'I'm pretty sure Mr. Halton has shut her up in his barn. "'And anyway, I can keep along by the stone wall on this side "'and not cross over till I get to the next field.' "'None of the rest wanted to go that way, "'and so she finally started out alone. "'Be sure to keep this side of the wall if the cow's there,' "'called Lena after her. "'And you'd better take off that red cape, too, if you see her,' "'added Annie Rice.' She hates red, they say, as much as a mad bull. Peggy wasn't afraid of any kind of an animal, or of anything else her father often thought with a proud chuckle. To tell the truth, she was somewhat vain of her own courage, so now she waved her red cape fearlessly. To herself, she said that she wouldn't be such a frayed cat as Annie Rice for all the world. End of chapter 4